Section twenty eight of Pamela or Virtue Rewarded. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Magdalena Cook. Pamela or Virtue Rewarded by Samuel Richardson. Section twenty eight. Tuesday morning, the sixth of my happiness. My master had said to Mrs. Jukes that he should not rise till eight or nine, as he had sat up all the night before. But it seems, my lady, knowing he usually rose about six, got up soon after that hour, raised her woman and her nephew, having a whimsical scheme in her head to try to find whether we were in bed together, and about half an hour after six she rapped at our chamber door. My master was waked at the noise, and asked, Who was there? "'Open the door,' said she. "'Open it this minute,' I said, clinging about his neck. "'Dear, dear sir, pray, pray don't. Oh, save me, save me.' "'Don't fear, Pamela,' said he. "'The woman's mad, I believe.' But he called out, "'Who are you? What do you want?' "'You know my voice well enough,' said she. "'I will come in.' "'Pray, sir,' said I, "'don't let her ladyship in.' "'Don't be frightened, my dear,' said he. She thinks we are not married, and are afraid to be found abed together. I'll let her in, but she shan't come near, my dearest. So he slipped out of bed, and putting on some of his clothes and gown and slippers, he said, What bold body dare disturb my repose thus? And opened the door. In rushed she. I'll see your wickedness, said she. I will. In vain shall you think to hide it from me. What should I hide? said he. How dare you set a foot into my house, after the usage I have received from you? I had covered myself over head and ears, and trembled every joint. He looked, and spied her woman and kinsman in the room, she crying out, Bear witness, Jackie, bear witness! Beck, the creature is now in his bed! And not seeing the young gentleman before, who was at the feet of the bed, he said, How now, sir? What's your business in this apartment? Begone this moment! and he went away directly. "'Beck,' said my lady, "'you see the creature is in his bed.' "'I do, madam,' answered she. My master came to me and said, "'Ay, look, Beck, and bear witness. Here is my Pamela, my dear angel, my lovely creature. Don't be afraid. Look up and see how frantically this woman of quality behaves.' At that I just peeped and saw my lady, who could not bear this, coming to me, and she said, "'Wicked, abandoned wretch! "'Vile brother to brave me thus! "'I'll tear the creature out of bed before your face, "'and expose you both as you deserve.' "'At that he took her in his arms, "'as if she had been nothing, "'and carrying her out of the room, she cried, "'Beck! Beck! Help me, Beck! "'The wretch is going to fling me down the stairs!' "'Her woman ran to him and said, "'Good sir, for heaven's sake, "'do no violence to my lady. "'Her ladyship has been ill all night.' He sat her down in the chamber she lay in, and she could not speak for passion. "'Take care of your lady,' said he, "'and when she has rendered herself more worthy of my attention, I'll see her. Till then, at her peril, and yours too, come not near my apartment.' And so he came to me, and, with all the sweet soothing words in the world, pacified my fears, and gave me leave to go right in my closet, as soon as my fright was over, and to stay there till things were more calm. And so he dressed himself and went out of the chamber, permitting me, at my desire, to fasten the door after him. At breakfast-time my master tapped at the door, and I said, "'Who's there?' 
"'Ay, my dearest,' said he. "'Oh, then,' replied I, "'I will open it with pleasure.' I had written on a good deal, but I put it by, when I ran to the door. I would have locked it again when he was in, but he said, "'Am not I here? Don't be afraid,' said he. "'Will you come down to breakfast, my love?' "'Oh, no, dear sir,' said I. "'Be pleased to excuse me,' said he. "'I cannot bear the look of it, that the mistress of my house should breakfast in her closet.' as if she durst not come down, and I at home. Oh, dearest sir, replied I, pray pass that over, for my sake, and don't let my presence aggravate your sister, for a kind punctilio. Then, my dear, said he, I will breakfast with you here. No, pray, dear sir, answered I, breakfast with your sister. That, my dear, replied he, will too much gratify her pride, and look like a slight to you. Dear sir, said I, your goodness is too great, for me to want punctilious proofs of it. Pray oblige her ladyship. She is your guest, surely, sir. You may be freezed with your dutiful wife. She is a strange woman, said he. How I pity her. She has thrown herself into a violent fit of the colic, through passion, and is but now, her woman says, a little easier. I hope, sir, said I, when you carried her ladyship out you did not hurt her. No, replied he, I love her too well. I sat her down in the apartment she had chosen, and she but now desires to see me, and that I will breakfast with her, or refuses to touch anything. But, if my dearest pleases, I will insist it shall be with you at the same time. Oh, no, no, dear sir, said I. I should not forgive myself if I did. I would on my knees beg her ladyship's goodness to me. Now I am in your presence." though I thought I ought to carry it a little stiff when you were absent, for the sake of the honour you have done me. And, dear sir, if my deepest humility will please, permit me to shew it. You shall do nothing, returned he, unworthy of my wife, to please the proud woman. But I will, however, permit you to breakfast by yourself this once, as I have not seen her since I have used her in so barbarous a manner. As I understand, she exclaims, I have and as she will not eat anything unless I give her my company. So he saluted me and withdrew, and I locked the door after him again for fear. Mrs. Jukes soon after rapped at the door. Who's there? said I. Only I, madam. So I opened the door. Tis a sad thing, madam, said she. You should be so much afraid in your own house. She brought me some chocolate and toast, and I asked her about my lady's behaviour. She said she would not suffer anybody to attend but her woman, because she would not be heard what she had to say. But she believed, she said, her master was very angry with the young lord, as she called her kinsman. For, as she passed by the door, she heard him say in a high tone, I hope, sir, you did not forget what belongs to the character you assume, or to that effect. About one o'clock my master came up again, and he said, Will you come down to dinner, Pamela, when I send for you? Whatever you command, sir, I must do. But my lady won't desire to see me. No matter whether she will or no. But I will not suffer that she shall prescribe her insolent will to my wife. And in your own house, too. I will, by my tenderness to you, mortify her pride. And it cannot be done so well as to face her. Dearest sir, said I, Pray indulge me, and let me dine here by myself. I will make my lady but more inveterate. Said he, 
I have told her we are married. She is out of all patience about it, and yet pretends not to believe it. Upon that I tell her, then she shall have it her own way, and that I am not. And what has she to do with it either way? She has scolded and begged, commanded and prayed, blessed me and cursed me by turns, twenty times in these few hours. And I have sometimes soothed her, sometimes raged, and at last left her, and took a turn in the garden for an hour to compose myself, because you should not see how the foolish woman has ruffled me. And just now I came out seeing her coming in. Just as he has said so, I cried, Oh, my lady, my lady, for I heard her voice in the chamber saying, Brother, brother, one word with you, stopping in sight of the closet where I was. He stepped out, and she went up to the window that looks towards the garden, and said, Mean fool that I am, to follow you up and down the house in this manner, though I am shunned and avoided by you. You, a brother, you, a barbarian, is it possible that we could be born of one mother? Why, said he, do you charge me with a conduct to you, that you bring upon yourself? Is it not surprising that you should take the liberty with me, that the dear mother you have named never gave you an example for to any of her relations? Was it not sufficient that I was insolently taken to task by you in your letters, but my retirements must be invaded, my house insulted, and, if I have one person dearer to me than another, that that person must be singled out for an object of your violence? Ay, said she, that one person is the thing. But though I come with a resolution to be temperate, and to expostulate with you on your avoiding me so unkindly, yet cannot I have patience to look upon that bed in which I was born, and to be made the guilty scene of your wickedness with such a— Hush! said he. I charge you. Call not the dear girl by any name unworthy of her. You know not, as I told you, her excellence. And I desire you'll not repeat the freedoms you have taken below. She stamped with her foot and said, God, give me patience. So much contempt to a sister that loves you so well, and so much tenderness to a vile— He put his hand before her mouth. Be silent, said he. Once more, I charge you, you know not the innocence you abuse so freely. I ought not, neither will I bear it. She sat down and fanned herself and burst into tears, and such sobs of grief, or rather passion, that grieved me to hear, and I sat and trembled sadly. He walked about the room in great anger, and at last said, Let me ask you, Lady Davis, why am I thus insolently to be called to account by you? Am I not independent? Am I not of age? Am I not at liberty to please myself? Would to God that, instead of a woman and my sister, any man breathing had dared, whatever were his relation under that of a father, to give himself half the heirs you have done. Why did you not send on this accursed errand, you lord? Who could write me such a letter as no gentleman should write, nor any gentleman tamely receive? He should have seen the difference. We all know, said she, that since your Italian duel you have commenced a bravo, and all your heirs breathe as strongly of the manslayer as of the libertine. This, said he, I will bear, for I have no reason to be ashamed of that duel, nor the course of it, since it was to save a friend, and, because it is levelled at myself only, but suffer not your tongue to take too great a liberty with my Pamela. She interrupted him in a violent burst of passion. If I bear this, said she, I can bear anything. Oh, the little strumpet! He interrupted her then, and said wrathfully, 
Begone, rageful woman! Begone this moment from my presence! Leave my house this instant! I renounce you, and all relation to you, and never more let me see your face, or call me brother! And took her by the hand to lead her out. She laid hold of the curtains of the window, and said, I will not go. You shall not force me from you thus ignominiously in the wretch's hearing, and suffer her to triumph over me in your barbarous treatment of me. Not considering anything, I ran out of the closet, and threw myself at my dear master's feet, as he held her hand, in order to lead her out, and I said, Dearest sir, let me beg that no act of unkindness for my sake pass between so worthy and so near relations. Dear, dear madam, said I, and clasped her knees, pardon and excuse the unhappy course of all this evil. On my knees I beg your ladyship to receive me to your grace and favour, and you shall find me incapable of any triumph but in your ladyship's goodness to me. Creature, said she, art thou to beg an excuse for me? Art thou to implore my forgiveness? Is it to thee I am to owe the favour, that I am not cast headlong from my brother's presence? Begone to thy corner, wench, begone, I say, lest thy paramour kill me for trampling thee under my foot. Rise, my dear Pamela, said my master, rise, dear life of my life, and expose not so much worthiness to the ungrateful scorn of so violent a spirit. And so he led me to my closet again, and there I sat and wept. Her woman came up, just as he had led me to my closet, and was returning to her lady, and she very humbly said, Excuse my intrusion, good sir. I hope I may come to my lady. Yes, Mrs. Warden, said he. You may come in, and pray take your lady downstairs with you, for fear I should too much forget what belongs either to my sister or myself. I began to think, seeing her ladyship so outrageous with her brother, what a happy escape I had had the day before, though hardly enough used in conscience too, as I thought. Her woman begged her ladyship to walk down, and she said, Beck, seest thou that bed? That was the bed that I was born in, and yet that was the bed thou sawest, as well as I, the wicked Pamela, in, this morning, and this brother of mine just risen from her. True, said he, you both saw it, and it is my pride that you could see it. Tis my bridal bed, and tis abominable that the happiness I knew before you came hither should be so barbarously interrupted. Swear to me, but, thou bold wretch, said she, swear to me that Pamela Andrews is really and truly thy lawful wife, without sham, without deceit, without double meaning, and I know what I have to say. I'll humour you for once, said he and then swore a solemn oath that I was, and said he, Did I not tell you so at first? I cannot yet believe you, said she, because in this particular I had rather have called you knave than fool. Provoke me not too much, said he, for if I should as much forget myself as you have done, you'd have no more of a brother in me than I have a sister in you. Who married you? said she. Tell me that. Was it not a broken attorney in a parson's habit? Tell me true, in the wench's hearing. When she's undeceived, she'll know how to behave herself better. Thank God, thought I, it is not so. No, said he, and I'll tell you, that I bless God, I abhorred that project, before it was brought to bear, and Mr. Williams married us. Nay, then, said she, but answer me another question or two. I beseech you, who gave her away? Parson Peters, said he. Where was the ceremony performed? 
in my little chapel, which you may see, as it was put in order on purpose. Now, said she, I begin to fear there is something in it. But who is present? said she. Methinks, replied he, I look like a fine puppy, to suffer myself to be thus interrogated by an insolent sister. But, if you must know, Mrs. Jukes was present. Oh, the procuress, said she. But nobody else? Yes, said he, all my heart and soul. Wretch, said she, and what would thy father and mother have said, had they lived to this day? Their consents, replied he, I should have thought it my duty to ask. But not yours, madam. Suppose, said she, I had married my father's groom. What would you have said to that? I could not have behaved worse, replied he, than you have done. And would you not have thought, she said, I deserved it? She said, Does your pride let you see no difference in the case you put? None at all, said she. Where can the difference be between a beggar's son married by a lady, or a beggar's daughter made a gentleman's wife? Then I'll tell you, replied he, the difference is, a man ennobles the woman he takes, be she who she will, and adopts her into his own rank, be it what it will. But a woman, though ever so nobly born, debases herself by a mean marriage, and descends from her own rank to his she stoops to. When the royal family of Stuart allied itself into the low family of Hyde, comparatively low, I mean, did anybody scruple to call the lady Royal Highness and Duchess of York? And did anybody think her daughters, the late Queen Mary and Queen Anne, less royal for that? When the broken fortune peer goes into the city to marry a rich tradesman's daughter, be he duke or earl, does not his consort immediately become ennobled by his choice? And who scruples to call her lady, duchess, or countess? But when a duchess or countess dowages his sense to mingle with a person of obscure birth, does she not then degrade herself? And is she not effectually degraded? And will any duchess or countess rank with her? Lady Davis, do you not see a difference between my marrying my dear mother's beloved and deserving waiting maid, with a million of excellencies about her, and such graces of mind and person as would adorn any distinction, and your marrying a sordid groom, whose constant train of education, conversation, and opportunities could possibly give him no other merit, than that which must proceed from the vilest, lowest taste in his sordid dignifier? Oh, the wretch! said she. How he finds excuses to palliate his meanness! Again, said he, let me observe to you, Lady Davis, when a duke marries a private person, is he not still her head, by virtue of being her husband? But when a lady descends to marry a groom, is not the groom her head, being her husband? And does not this difference strike you? For what lady of quality ought to respect another, who has made so sordid a choice, and set a groom above her? For would not that be to put that groom upon a par with themselves? Call this palliation, or what you will, but if you see not the difference, you are blind, and a very unfit judge for yourself, much more unfit to be a censure of me. I'd have you, said she, publish your fine reasons to the world, and they will be sweet encouragements to all the young gentlemen who read them to cast themselves away on the servant wenches in their families. Not at all, Lady Davis, replied he, for if any young gentleman stays till he finds such a person as my Pamela, so enriched with the beauties of person and mind, and so fitted to adorn the degree she is raised to, he will stand as easily acquitted, as I shall be to all the world that sees her, 
except there may be many more Lady Davers than I apprehend can possibly be met with. And so, returned she, you say you are actually and really married, honestly, or rather foolishly married, to this slut? I am indeed, says he, if you presume to call her so. And why should I not, if I please? Who is there ought to contradict me? Whom have I hurt by it? Have I not an estate, free and independent? Am I likely to be beholden to you, or any of my relations? And why, when I have a sufficiency in my own single hands, should I scruple to make a woman equally happy, who has all I want? For beauty, virtue, prudence, and generosity too, I will tell you, she has more than any lady I ever saw. Yes, Lady Davis, she has all these naturally. They are born with her, and a few years' education, with her genius, has done more for her than a whole life has done for others. No more, no more, I beseech you, said she. Though so fetus me, honest man, with thy weak folly, thou art worse than an idolater. Thou hast made a graven image, and thou fallest down and worshippest the works of thy own hands. And, Jeroboam-like, wouldst have everybody else bow down before thy calf. Well said, Lady Davis, whenever your passion suffers you to descend to witticism, tis almost over with you. But let me tell you, though I myself worship this sweet creature, that you call such names, I want nobody else to do it, and should be glad you had not intruded upon me, to interrupt me in the course of our mutual happiness. Well said, well said, my kind, well-mannered brother, said she. I shall, after this, very little interrupt your mutual happiness, I'll assure you. I thought you a gentleman once, and prided myself in my brother. But I say now with a burial service, ashes to ashes, and dirt to dirt. Ay, said he, Lady Davis, and there we must all end at last. You with all your pride, and I with my plentiful fortune, must come to it. And then, where will be your distinction? Let me tell you, except you and I both mend our manners, though you have been no duellist, no libertine, as you call me, this amiable girl, whom your vanity and folly so much despise, will outsoar us both, infinitely outsoar us, and he who judges best will give the preference where due, without regard to birth or fortune. Egregious preacher, said she, what, my brother already turned Puritan? See what marriage and repentance may bring a man to? I heartily congratulate this change. Well, said she, and came towards me, and I trembled to see her coming, but her brother followed to observe her, and I stood up at her approach, and she said, Give me thy hand, Mrs. Pamela, Mrs. Andrews, Mrs. What shall I call thee? Thou hast done wonders in a little time. Thou hast not only made a raker husband, but thou hast made a raker preacher. But take care, added she, after all, in ironical anger, and tapped me on the neck, take care that thy vanity begins not where his ends, and that thou callest not thyself my sister. She shall, I hope, Lady Davis, said he, when she can make as great a convert of you from pride as she has of me from libertinism. Mrs. Jukes just then came up, and said dinner was ready. Come, my Pamela, said my dear master, you desire to be excused from breakfasting with us, but I hope you'll give Lady Davis and me your company to dinner. How dare you insult me thus, said my lady. How dare you, said he, insult me by your conduct in my own house, 
after i have told you i am married how dare you think of staying here one moment and refuse my wife the honours that belong to her as such merciful god said she give me patience and held her hand to her forehead pray sir dear sir said i excuse me don't vex my lady be silent my dear love said he you see already what you have got by your sweet condescension you have thrown yourself at her feet and insolent as she is she has threatened to trample upon you she'll ask you presently if she is to owe her excuse to your interposition and yet nothing else can make her forgiven poor lady she could not bear this and as if she was discomposed she ran to her poor grieve woman and took hold of her hand and said lead me down lead me down beck let us instantly quit this house this cursed house that once i took pleasure in order the fellows to get ready and i will never see it nor its owner more and away she went downstairs in a great hurry and the servants were ordered to make ready for their departure i saw my master was troubled and i went to him and said pray dear sir follow my lady down and pacify her tis her love to you poor woman said he i am concerned for her but i insist upon you coming down since things are gone so far her pride will get new strength else and we shall be all to begin again dearest dear sir said i excuse my going down this once indeed my dear i won't replied he what shall it be said that my sister shall scare my wife from my table and i present no i have borne too much already and so have you and i charge you come down when i send for you he departed saying these words and i durst not dispute for i saw he was determined and there is as much majesty as goodness in him as i have often had reason to observe though never more than on the present occasion with his sister her ladyship instantly put on her hood and gloves and her woman tied up a handkerchief full of things for her principal matters were not unpacked and her coachman got her chariot ready and her footmen their horses and she appeared resolved to go but her kinsman and mr colbrand had taken a turn together somewhere and she would not come in but sat fretting on a seat in the foreyard with her woman by her and at last said to one of the footmen do you james stay to attend my nephew and we'll take the road we came mrs jukes went to her ladyship and said your ladyship will be pleased to stay dinner tis just coming up on table no said she i have enough of this house i have indeed but give my service to your master and i wish him happier than he has made me he had sent for me down and i came though unwillingly and the cloth was laid in the parlour i had jumped out of and there was my master walking about it mrs jukes came in and asked if he pleased to have dinner brought in for my lady would not come in but decide her service and wished him happier than he had made her he seeing her at the window when he went to that side of the room all ready to go stepped out to her and said lady davis if i thought you would not be hardened rather than softened by my civility i would ask you to walk in and at least let your kinsmen and servants dine before they go she wept and turned her face from him to hide it he took her hand and said come sister let me prevail upon you walk in no said she don't ask me i wish i could hate you as much as you hate me you do said he and a great deal more i'll assure you or else you'd not vex me as you do 
Come, pray walk in. Don't ask me, said she. Her kinsman just then returned. Why, madam, said he, your ladyship won't go till you have dined, I hope. No, Jackie, said she. I can't stay. I'm an intruder here, it seems. Think, said my master, of the occasion you gave for that word. Your violent passions are the only intruders. Lay them aside, and never sister was dearer to a brother. Don't say such another word, said she. I beseech you, for I am too easy to forgive you anything for one kind word. You shall have one hundred, said he. Nay, ten thousand, if they will do, my dear sister. And kissing her, he added, Pray give me your hand. John, said he, put up the horses. You are all as welcome to me, for all your ladies angry with me, as at any inn you can put up at. Come, Mr. H., said he, lead your aunt in, for she won't permit that honour to me. This quite overcame her, and she said, giving her brother her hand, Yes, I will, and you shall lead me anywhere, and kissed him. But don't think, she said, I can forgive you neither. And so he led her into the parlour where I was. But, said she, why do you lead me to this wench? Tis my wife, my dear sister, and if you will not love her, yet don't forget common civilities to her, for your own sake. Pray, madam, said her kinsman, since your brother is pleased to own his marriage, we must not forget common civilities, as Mr. B. says. And, sir, added he, permit me to wish you joy. Thank you, sir, said he. And may I? said he, looking at me. Yes, sir, replied my master. So he saluted me, very complacently, and said, I vow to gad, madam, I did not know this yesterday, and if I was guilty of a fault, I beg your pardon. My lady said, Thou art a good-natured foolish fellow. Thou might have saved this nonsensical parade, till I had given thee leave. Why, aunt, said he, if they are actually married, there's no help for it, and we must not make mischief between man and wife. But, brother, said she, do you think I'll sit at a table with a creature? No contemptuous names, I beseech you, Lady Davis. I tell you, she is really my wife, and I must be a villain to suffer her to be ill-used. She has no protector but me, and, if you will permit her, she will always love and honour you. Indeed, indeed I will, madam, said I. I cannot. I won't sit down at table with her, said she. Pamela, I hope thou dost not think I will. Indeed, madam, said I, if your good brother will permit it, I will attend your chair all the time you dine, to shew my veneration for your ladyship, as the sister of my kind protector. See, said he, her condition has not altered her, but I cannot permit in her a conduct unworthy of my wife, and I hope my sister will not expect it neither. Let her leave the room, replied she, if I must stay. Indeed, you are out of the way, aunt, said her kinsman. That is not right, as things stand, said my master. No, madam, that must not be. But, if it must be so, we'll have two tables. You and your nephew shall sit at one, and my wife and I at the other, and then we see what a figure your unreasonable punctilio will make you cut. She seemed irresolute, and he placed her at the table, the first course, which was fish, being brought in. Where, said she to me, wouldst thou presume to sit? Wouldst have me give place to thee too, wench? Come, come, said my master. I'll put that out of dispute. And so set himself down by her ladyship, at the upper end of the table, 
and place me at his left hand. "'Excuse me, my dear,' said he. "'This once excuse me.' "'Oh, you cursed complacence,' said she. "'To such a—' "'Hush, sister, hush,' said he. "'I will not bear to hear her spoken slightly of. "'Tis enough that to oblige your violent and indecent caprice "'you make me compromise with you thus.' "'Come, sir,' added he, "'pray take your place next to your gentle aunt.' "'Beck,' said she, "'do you sit down by Pamela there? "'Since it must be so, we'll be hail fellow all.' "'With all my heart,' replied my master, "'I have so much honour for all the sex, "'that I would not have the meanest person off at stand, "'while I sit, had I been to have made the custom. "'Mrs. Warden, pray sit down.' "'Sir,' said she, "'I hope I shall know my place better.' My lady sat considering, and then, lifting up her hand, said, "'Lord, what will this world come to?' "'To nothing but what's very good,' replied my master, "'if such spirits as Lady Davis do but take the rule of it. "'Shall I help you, sister, to some of the carp?' "'Help you, beloved,' said she. "'That's kind,' said he. "'Now, that's my good Lady Davis. "'Here, my love, let me help you, since my sister desires it.' "'Mighty well!' returned she mighty well but sat on one side turning from me as it were dear aunt said her kinsman let's see your bus and be friends since tis so what signifies it hold thy fool's tongue said she is thy tone so soon turned since yesterday said my master i hope nothing affronting was offered yesterday to my wife in her own house she hit him a good smart slap on the shoulder "'Take that, impudent brother,' said she. "'I'll wife you, and in her own house.' She seemed half afraid, but he, in very good humour, kissed her and said, "'I thank you, sister. I thank you. But I have not had a blow from you before for some time.' "'For gad,' said her kinsman, "'tis very kind of you to take it so well. Her ladyship is as good a woman as ever lived, but I've had many a cuff from her myself.' "'I won't put it up neither,' said my master.' "'except you'll assure me you have seen her serve her lord so.' "'I pressed my foot to his, and said softly, "'Don't, dear sir.' "'What?' said she. "'Is the creature begging me off from insult? "'If his manners won't keep him from outraging me, "'I won't owe his forbearance to thee, wench.' "'Said my master, and put some fish on my lady's plate. "'Well, does Lady Davis use the word insult? "'But let me see you eat one mouthful, and I'll forgive you.' and he put the knife in one of her hands and the fork in the other. "'As I hope to live,' said he, "'I cannot bear this silly childishness for nothing at all. I am quite ashamed of it.' She put a little bit to her mouth, but laid it down in her plate again. "'I cannot eat,' said she. "'I cannot swallow, I'm sure. It will certainly choke me.' He had forbid his men-servants to come in, that they might not behold the scene he expected, and rose from the table himself and filled a glass of wine." her woman offering, and her kinsman rising to do it. Meantime, his seat between us being vacant, she turned to me. How now, confidence, said she, darest thou sit next to me? Why dost thou not rise and take the glass from thy property? Sit still, my dear, said he. I'll help you both. But I arose, for I was afraid of a good cuff, and said, Pray, sir, let me help my lady. "'So you shall,' replied he, when she's in a humour to receive it as she ought. "'Sister,' said he, with a glass in his hand, "'pray drink. You'll perhaps eat a little bit of something then.' "'Is this to insult me?' said she. "'No, really,' returned he. 
but to incite you to eat, for you'll be sick for want of it. She took the glass and said, God forgive you, wicked wretch, for your usage of me this day. This is a little as it used to be. I once had your love, and now it is changed. And for whom? That vexes me. And wept so, she was forced to set down the glass. You don't do well, said he. You neither treat me like your brother nor a gentleman, and if you would suffer me I would love you as well as ever. But for a woman of sense and understanding, and a fine-bred woman, as I once thought my sister, you act quite a childish part. Come, added he, and held her glass to her lips. Let your brother, that you once loved, prevail on you to drink this glass of wine. She then drank it. He kissed her and said, Oh, how passion deforms the noblest minds! You have lost a good deal of that loveliness that used to adorn my sister, and let me persuade you to compose yourself and be my sister again. For Lady Davis is indeed a fine woman, and has a presence as majestic for a lady as her dear brother has for a gentleman. He then sat down between us again and said when the second course came in, Let Abraham come in and wait. I touched his toe again, but he minded it not, and I saw he was right, for her ladyship began to recollect herself, and did not behave half so ill before the servants as she had done, and helped herself with some little freedom. But she could not forbear a strong sigh and a sob now and then. She called for a glass of the same wine she had drank before. Said he, Shall I help you again, Lady Davis? And rose at the same time and went to the sideboard and filled her glass. Indeed, said she, I love to be sued by my brother. Your health, sir. End of section twenty eight.